0: God, we thank you that you never stop chasing. Lord, we thank you that your love is a love that pursues, and your kindness is there to catch us when you catch up. Lord, we thank you so much for the promise that your grace has for us and the promise that you will be with us through everything we travel through. So, Lord, this morning we give you permission to move, we give you permission to poke, we give you permission to prod. We ask that you just don't let us leave here the same way we came in this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have two more weeks left on this series of what disciples do. Um, Today we're going to be talking about that disciples redeem Babylon. The disciples... Make the best out of Babylon. Disciples see their surroundings and know they're just surroundings. And that God's sovereignty is bigger than the circumstances that are around them. Have you ever experienced in your life, I'm sure I'm the only one, so feel free to say I'm crazy, but uh, this idea that you're expecting news and uh, you get the phone call and maybe it's not the news you were expecting. But it's okay because... You're the type of person that expects the worst and hopes for the best. Does that ever work? Like, I, 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 Emma's not in here, so I can talk about her. She, she'll audition for things, and she'll come out, or, or she'll take a test. This, is, this has been a big one lately. I totally failed my math test. Because in her eyes, 96 is a failure. Um, but she'll come out, and she'll be like, I totally failed my math test, or I totally bombed that audition." And, and I'll say, are you serious? She goes, no, but I know that if I, if, if I think that, that if I didn't, I'll be happier. Except for one thing. When she does bomb the audition and she doesn't get the part, it's not any easier to process. It still stinks. Like it's still one of these things that you just have a hard time dealing with. So hoping or expecting the worst and hoping for the best only works when it's the best. And you can go, see, that's a good plan. I knew if I just hope, it, now I'm surprised but you 're not really surprised because he wanted that anyway. I remember when when Julie and I were married less than three years, there was one of those moments that involved a stick and her urine um, and, uh, and and i remember I remember her taking that test, and we were not planning or ready to have kids and I remember her taking that test, and I remember like it coming out negative, which we both wanted because we weren't ready to have kids. We, we said three years, then we would try to have kids. And I remember that being negative and instead of being happy, I was sad. Like there was this part of me that I was like, oh, and I guess that's kind of when I knew I was ready to really have kids, because I was really bummed out that it wasn't positive. There, there's these things that we look at and the, the expectations and the, the results that we want that we don't always get. And so in the midst of all of that, we have to choose to live in a way that we are going to be present where we are and not constantly think about where we could be or constantly think about how good it used to be. When we first first moved back from Chico, gosh, seven and a half years ago almost now, um, there were a lot of people that contacted us and said, oh, I can't wait for the old connected to be back again. And I'm thinking to myself in my head, I'm thinking... I have been gone four years, I, I'm, I'm not that person anymore. Like, I don't even know what the old connected means anymore. I don't even know what that looks like anymore. I don't know what, what that statement even means. But it was this, this, this longing for the good days. The longing for when everything made sense. The longing, and we still get it. There are times that I'll, that, that, that I'll be walking around and, 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 and miss those days. You know, like the days that it didn't take an hour to put someone to bed. Not even listening. See, I could talk about him all I want to. Yeah, that's a you. <laughs> that, that, but sometimes we just we 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 get in that place where we just start longing for the good old days. And what happens is when you long for the good old days, you miss the days that are right in front of you. And you 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 fly right past them. We have this scripture today in Jeremiah where the Israelites have been conquered by Babylon, they've been taken off. To, to, to Babylon, They're now prisoners in Babylon. They're living amongst the Babylonians. They, they're in a place where they're, they're kind of angry that their god lost the battle, and now they're living in a foreign land. Not just a foreign land, but a foreign land of pagans that worship lots of different gods, and their god is supposed to be the most powerful of all things, and they lost the war. And so we're in this place where a certain prophet is calling the Israelites and saying, hey, don't worry about it. Two years max. You guys will be back in Israel. Everything's going to be fine. Well... Jeremiah hears about this little prophecy, and Jeremiah, being who he is, says, no, i got a much gloomer prediction for you. He says, it's going to be quite a bit longer than two years. And the Israelites were like, what? Because they had been told that the new building was going to be done last November. <laughs> and they show up, and it's still nothing they, 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 they've been told that it's just right around the corner, that something better is going to happen. And Jeremiah says, this is the message from God. It is going to be a lot longer than that. So if you'll turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. I'm very excited about this verse because <coughs> Jeremiah 29, 11 is probably one of the most used out of context verses on the entire planet. Um, and, and I, I told the staff that I refused to even like, go there, but I'm going there today just because it's one of those ones. But we're gonna, uh, so we're, we're going to read verse 1. So this is one of three letters that Jeremiah writes to the Israelites captive in Babylon, um, and this one is to the masses, to everyone that's there. One of them to the leadership, and, but uh, this one is to everyone that is in Babylon, and so we're going to start in 1 and jump over to 4. This is the text of the letter, that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and the priests, the prophets, and all other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, if you're anything like me, you can't hear the name Nebuchadnezzar without seeing a chocolate duck factory, or a rabbit factory, and, or, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As I was, as I was studying this scripture, I, I realized that this time frame right here is covered in like six different books of the Old Testament. This exile time, is like, it's just ham, it's all over the place. We get it in kings, we get it in judges, we get it in Daniel. It's, it's everywhere, this, this allusion to the, the exile. And so Jeremiah is writing to these people, and in verse, jump down to verse 4, it says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they know, uh, so, oh man, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it, if it prospers you too, will, if it prospers you too will prosper. If the city prospers, you too will prosper. Oh, need to get reading glasses. Time. It's time. I'm old. So old. Here they are. They're just received this news. Two years max. And, and Jeremiah comes up and says, No, I'm sorry. It's going to be a lot longer. And there's this uproar of the Israelites going, No way. We're not putting, no. It's not going to be. And then Jeremiah writes this letter from the Lord Look, here's what you're going to do. You're going to stop whining, you're going to build houses. You're going to plant gardens. You're, you're, in other words, you're going to have permanency here. Permanency here. You're, you're, going to, you're going to lay down some roots. You're going to lay down what needs to happen. You're, you're not going to be living in this place that, oh, Israel, oh, Israel. No, you're here now. Have kids. Marry them off. Have grandkids. See, at this point, the people are reading this letter going, wait a second, have kids. That's a long time. Wait, have our kids have kids? That's a really long time. And so what, what, what God is telling these people, these Israelites that are captive in Babylon, is you need to settle. You need to get here and just be present to where you are. There is so much going on all around you, but right now you are going to be right here. You need to be right here. These next two weeks are what I call pre-Advent sermons. Right? We're, 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 the past two years we've always like done a series easing us into the series of Lent. But this is the first time I've ever done it with Advent. But this is a serious amount of waiting time for the Israelites. They they're just stuck in a place that they don't belong. They're stuck in a land that makes no sense to them. They're, they're in a place where everything is out of place and none of their traditions make sense anymore. And they're asking, What do we do? And God's response is plant a garden. Because you're going to be here a while. Plant a garden. And then he says something that's crazy. Because I thought I thought just Jesus said crazy stuff. Like when Jesus says, pray for your enemies, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you. That's not a new concept. God says through Jeremiah that same thing pray for the Babylonians. Because if they prosper, you prosper. And if you prosper, they prosper. Life will be better. If you just come with them and be, just, just pray for them, lift them up, be there. So often we get stuck in between Babylon and Israel. And when we're in the middle, man, it's a horrible place to be. But it's nowhere near as horrible as when we're in Babylon. And you just see, only if I could go there, it would be better. Only if I had, it would be better. It, only only if, if, if this job was different, it would be so much better. But what God is saying through Jeremiah in this passage is, no, your circumstances are up to you to redeem. You make your job better. You make the things you encounter better. You, you carry the attitude that changes things. You can't rely on the fact that if you could just have this, this place, this move, this city, this thing, everything would get better. If only I could date that person. If only my husband would do the dishes. There's, there's a million things that can be our Babylon. where We get trapped in this place of Babylon, and we forget to... This is, I'm just going to get real personal with you right now. Can you leave the room? I'm a tough story. She, Julie doesn't do this very often. She's pretty saintly. But there's times where I have spent hours cleaning when I thought needed to be cleaned. And she will come home, and she will say, oh, you didn't do the dishes? And I want to just ram my head against the wall. Now, that's kind of a silly example, but there is so much of our life that everything is done, everything is good, and we focus on that one thing that's not, and we're stuck in Babylon dreaming about a place like Israel. We just know that perfect place is out there. We know that perfect thing. If we only had, everything would be different. And Jeremiah says, listen, you're in Babylon right now. Be in Babylon. You don't like Babylon? Redeem Babylon. You you don't like where you are? Redeem it. Reach out. Be part of something else. Don't let it be a thing that, that, that overtakes you that that becomes the thing that, that makes everything burden, and you can't stand anything in your life because all you see is what's right in front of you as a negative, and you don't see the forest through the trees. You have to be able to get to a place where you can reach out and you can say, yes, I am in Babylon right now, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lay roots. you know why that's important? Let me tell you why it's important. That was very, like, uh, by now. <laughs> Wait, no, 1995. This is why it's important to lay roots. Can you imagine, and I've shared this with you before, this is not new. Can you imagine a Christmas story without the wise men? It would be weird, right? I mean, my nativity would be completely not symmetrical. Because I'd have shepherds on this side and the wise men on this side. It would mess everything up. But we have this story of these kings from the east coming. How did the kings from the east even know that a messiah was born? The Jews were exiled in Babylon. You know what Daniel did? Daniel laid roots. Daniel planted gardens. Daniel built a house. Daniel began to work, he began to work for the king and he began to tell the stories of the Israelites. He began to share what Isaiah said about the coming Messiah. And all of a sudden, now these wise men in the king's courts are hearing these Jewish stories, hearing the stories of the Israelites. And all of a sudden, these people recognize the signs, and start to travel toward Jerusalem, toward Bethlehem. Had it not been for this exile, there's no wise men. There's no magi. But Daniel said, okay, here's, I don't like it, and I'm not going to compromise. Daniel's a perfect example of this, of this time of captivity. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the perfect example of this. They, they, they're there, and they put their houses, they, they planted their gardens, but they did not compromise. One of the first things Daniel said was, I'm not eating your diet. God has called me to eat this. And they said, but you're going to be all weak and you're going to be all frizzled up because you you have to eat the meat. And Daniel says, no, just bring me vegetables. I'll be okay. And he was healthier than everyone around him. He did not compromise. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were told, bow to this statue. And they said, we won't do it. Fine, we'll throw you in a fire. Fine. They got thrown in a fire. They, they They did not compromise, but they were fully invested in where they were. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worked for the king. They, they, they were fully invested where they were at that time, but they still were able to not compromise with where they were. They were still living in Israel inside, even though they were captive in Babylon. This is the biggest problem that we have. Christianity is such an in-between life. We live in this world and we dream of this heaven. We, we have one foot here, and we have one foot in the kingdom, and we're constantly torn between the two, because I don't know where you go on Monday, but my places on Monday sometimes aren't the kingdom, and they're frustrating, and, and, and people talk to me in ways I wish they just wouldn't. I, I don't know. Probably the guys in here can relate, but when I go to, a, like, to an auto parts store, why, why does it, like, I've never heard the F word more in my life from a customer service representative than at Napa Auto Parts. And it's like they think, well, you're a guy. I can just talk to you how I want to. And it just it blows my mind, but that, but that is our Babylon. That is what we go into. And we can't compromise and conform to that. We have to be willing to transform our minds in order to really take this thing on, to make a difference. We have to redeem Babylon. Daniel redeemed Babylon. Because here's what's happening. The more and more you want out of Babylon, this letter says, Buckle up. Your grandkids are going to be born here. You may be here a while. And so you can constantly live with this new horizon where I can show you the world shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, Prince. Oh, sorry. Uh, th- this, this newness. You can, you can crave it. You can want it. Or you can see the good. That's right here. Last week, uh, there was a, I don't remember what day it was, but it was National Kindness Day. And uh, the Internet was all on Twitter with, uh, maybe Twitter was all on Twitter. The, the Internet was all happening with this idea that everyone should wear a cardigan in honor of Mr. Rogers on, on National Kindness Day. I thought it was a brilliant idea. I just don't own a car again. And I'm proud of that. Uh, ben being a worship leader probably has 14 of them. <laughs> yeah. You can't really see them because the v-neck of the scarf covered up. But uh, there's this idea that, that Mr. Rogers conveyed of even in the midst of a tragedy, look around, there's always people helping. There's always people doing good. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not even going to pretend that some of your lives are not ridiculously stupid, out-of-control painful. That some of you go through stuff that's real. And, and, and there should be hurt, there should be grieving, there should be mourning. I, I, but, but here's the thing. Is it redeemable? E- even in the midst of the filth, is it redeemable? What, what's good? It's really easy to focus on the bad. It's super easy to do that, especially if you're in the midst of the bad right now. It's so easy to just focus on all of that and miss everything. That's amazing. I don't want to do that. I want to redeem Babylon. I want to, in the midst of of, of the stupidity of life and the fallen nature of this world, I want to redeem Babylon. I want to see the best in everything. Not just in everyone, but in everything. In the fact that I decorated for Christmas, yes, already. Don't judge me. I don't care if you judge me. Judge me. I don't care. But we finished decorating for Christmas yesterday with our windows open. And I, I, I wasn't excited about that. I wanted to be cold. I wanted to be chilly. And then I thought to myself, yeah, but we just have spent a whole day in the middle of November with our windows open. That's awesome. It, it was one of the greatest days. But I, I, I very easily, and, I just, and I'm focused on Wednesday." like it's snow <laughs> we just have to see the good that is there and not get bogged down by this stuff because here's what it says when Jeremiah goes on and I'm gonna, you're going to find out why you should probably not put Jeremiah 29 11 in a card that you give a graduate because of Jeremiah twenty nine ten in verse 8 Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets or diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. 70 years. 70 years. That's a long time, especially when you figure out that when Hebrews used the word 70, it meant a really long time. It didn't just mean 70. It's like how we use 24-7. 70 meant a long time. So after 70 years, you'll hear from me again. When, When did we get that, right? That's what Advent is. After 400 years of silence... God speaks redemption into the world. So after 70 years, here's the hope. After 70 years of exile, I will bring you back to this place for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's good news. But the problem is we write it in graduation cards and no one wants the 70 years. We just want the 2911 without the 2910. And so often, you don't get 29-11 without 29-10. You can't enjoy 29-11 without twenty nine ten. 10 I am beside myself right now with the fact that Ben and I are almost on the same page about when that place will be done over there. And I'll tell you why. I, I cannot wait to worship in that space. But I feel like if we had moved right in there, it would have just been another space. But that that room over there is going to be a 2911 because we've had a year of 2910. That we, we, when we gather in that space and when the lights are on and the mics are hot and, and I don't have to record on an iPod and, and it just everything seems to be going and it's just it's just glorious and there's chairs in rows and rows and you don't have to like climb over people to get into a seat and, and, and it, oh, it's going to be so good. But because of this, because of the year that I've had to tell people, are you in your space yet? Kinda. That's been my answer for a year. Kinda. We're in the building. But because of that, Christmas Eve this year is going to have a whole different meaning because the waiting, the exile, the time in Babylon prepared us for something so glorious, so amazing. And the 2911 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. Sometimes we have to lay roots in places we don't want to be, in circumstances we don't want to be, in order for the delivery to be that much greater. And I'm not saying that God puts you in places, although in this scripture it is kind of weird that it says that God brought you into exile. It, we, we have to experience this in order to really go, thank you. Thank you. And I cannot wait for that time that we get to say thank you. But in the midst of our Babylon, we say thank you. Because one day, when we get back to Zion, which I call that room over there, <laughs> it will be good. So good. And it will be because of this year. And we're going to walk in here in, on Christmas Eve 2020 next year and we're not even going to remember our Babylon. It's going to be bits and pieces and, Ben will. <laughs> it's going to be bits and pieces and fragments. And, and we're going to try to tell stories about, what, where was the counter? Oh, did the chairs go up? We won't even remember. Because Israel is that great. But right now, in your life, if you're going through it right now, Here's here's God's advice to you. Build a house. Plant a garden. Have kids. Let them have kids because you might be in this place for a while. But know this. After 70 years, after the years are complete, I will come and the plans I have for you are perfect. The plans I have for you will help you prosper. I know right now you don't want to hear that. But I'm telling you that the time is coming when all of this waiting is complete that it will be good. It will be good. We're gonna transition into connecting time. I I almost want to use these next two weeks of connecting time as a way for you to start to plug into this idea of what Advent is. In Advent we wait. And right now we're in that we're recognizing the fact that the kingdom is a different place than where we are right now. So we wait. We wait for that kingdom. There are plenty of opportunities to share your Babylon this morning. Pastor Jess is going to point them out to you. I would just ask that as you encounter each of these stations this morning, you use it as a time to express your Babylon and declare your laid roots.